Hello and welcome to Overthinking and Overtalking, a podcast about two sisters and life experiences with me, Bryony Knight, and my sister, Karis Knight. We will be talking about issues that affect us all, from mental health to everyday women who inspire us and everything gritty in between. We'd love to hear from you, the listener, with any topics you would like us to discuss, any questions on previous episodes or stories you would like to share. Our email is overthinkingovertalking at gmail.com or DM us on Insta at overthinking underscore overtalking. So a brief introduction to us. I'm Bryony, I'm 35, a single mum to a nine-year-old. I also have four cats, so literally the crazy cat lady. I have a lovely plethora of mental health issues such as generalised anxiety disorder, depression and agoraphobia, although the lockdown has actually helped with the latter as now I just want to get out of my house. And I'm Karis, I'm 31, I work as a full-time dental nurse. Last year, me and my partner bought a house that we are currently renovating, suffered with anxiety and depression for as far back as I can remember. I'm someone who speaks their mind, loves a debate and likes to be challenged, even though my anxiety can make that hard at times. This episode is about the trauma of losing a parent at a young age, specifically during those formative years as a teenager. We have a guest with us this week who lost her dad in her teen years. But before we introduce her, we'll just explain a little bit about our own experience. We lost our dad when Karis was 11 and I was 15. Can you remember anything about that time, Karis? Well, I mostly remember mum coming into my room in sort of the middle of the night. She didn't say anything, but I knew instantly what had happened. And I went and got into her bed and just heard her sort of sobbing all night. I didn't actually cry until the funeral, but after that I couldn't stop crying I've never cried that much in my life in such a short period of time. Um, The day after he passed away, I started high school. Mum said I could stay at home if I wanted, but I just wanted to get out of the house. But it's all a bit of a a blur, going like starting high school and and things like that. I do remember the first couple of days, but after that, it's all a bit mad. I didn't cry at all. No. I remember... She came into my room, she told me dad had passed, and I just went back to bed. And then the next day I went shopping with my friends. So I think I just shut down, Mm. just completely and utterly shut down. And it wasn't for years after that I really started to cry and think about it. So I think that was just my defence mechanism of just shutting down my emotions completely. Which you still do with certain things as well. You do shut down. I've got a lot better. Yeah. But yeah. I just, that's just my defence mechanism of coping with like any kind of trauma or anything like mm. that. Right, I'd like to introduce you to our guest today, Sam, who's very kindly joined us to talk about her experiences of losing a father at a young age. Hi Sam and welcome. Could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello, yeah, my name is Sam, obviously. Uh, I'm 35, I have lived in Norwich all my life. I am a treatment coordinator at a dental practice in Norwich and I've worked there for about 10 years now. I'm single, I live alone, which I love. Um, I won't deny that being on my own is much easier. I have no one to answer to at all. That's amazing. (laughs) So before we get right into the sad, hard-hitting stuff, could we maybe get some background on your childhood? What are your earliest memories of your parents? What was your childhood like? Where did you grow up? So I, me and my brother, he's older, he's four years older than me. We grew up in Norwich, um, in the same house, all our lives. We had a really good childhood, great Christmases. Obviously we argued, as families do. Um, but generally, life at home was what you'd call normal, fairly normal. 
Um, I don't really have any bad memories about my parents or anything like that. Obviously, me and my brother used to argue, as siblings do. We're the same age gap, and yeah, we did we the same. Yeah. So we used to fight like there's no tomorrow. But then, like in the same nice. breath, be like best of friends, like two seconds later. So were you close? We no, weren't... I don't know. I wouldn't say we were best of friends when we were younger. Not young, young, but I think as we hit... I think it's after Dad passed. Yeah. We, that yeah. really... We got a bit closer. We, yeah. We always had each other's backs after that oh, and yeah. everything like that. Before, she just hated me being the younger sister, wanting to hang out with her and her cool friends. Yeah, that's and... how I was with my brother. <laughs> <laughs> and he used to hate it. Oh, my mum and dad would be like, take her, take yeah, her. Yeah, hang out on the park with my friend she's like why did you take your sister I'm like what no <laughs> I just wanted to hang out with you and the cool kids <laughs> as you do because yeah. they're older yeah you can be with the, with the older crew definitely oh 100% and to be fair you didn't grasp me up about my smoking and my drinking so. no and I always oh. did yeah I was I was quite the little but I would blackmail her yeah I think I can't even remember he must have known but my mum always found out what that you smoked? Oh, she always found out. I remember I wrote a letter. I'd skived off school for the day and I wrote a letter to a friend and I left it in my school bag. <laughs> and I got home and, uh, yeah, she wasn't, she wasn't happy. <laughs> she found it. Well, um, I, I always kept, you know, you'd be like, don't tell mum. And, yeah. you know, and I never would, but I would heavily be like, well, can you do this for me? Otherwise, I'm going to tell mum you're smoking. Buy me this magazine. Yeah. Like, yeah. Tidy my else. room. Yeah. Or I'll tell mum that you're smoking. Never, but I never, that's the thing. I never had any intention. I would have never have told. Because otherwise... Oh, you could have told me that. I, I think I would have got in more trouble as well for knowing and keeping it from her. As I think I'd have equally got in a load of shit. Yeah, because you know, but you could yeah. use it as the blackmail. It was the leverage <laughs> to get things done. <laughs> oh, brilliant! <laughs> we had quite a good childhood, though. Like, we had a very good childhood. I think it was really nice. We had really nice house, big back garden. I always remember playing outside a lot. You know, riding our bikes through the garden. Yeah. You know, learning to because we lived opposite a major supermarket. And on a Sunday when they used to close, we used to go and, like, Dad would take us and teach us how to ride our bikes and stuff properly. Yeah. Yeah. And other things like, yeah, Christmases were always quite good. Birthdays were always really fun. Everything, yeah. I, I, you know, even after Mum and Dad, like, divorced, that was still, like, quite good. I think I was 11 when they got divorced. I was seven, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember it? Yeah. Yeah. I remember the day they told us they were getting divorced. I think I, I definitely was playing we out in the garden. In the, no, we were sat in the living room. No, no, no. I was playing. They called us in. Oh, okay. Called us in. So they and, both told you together? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you were sat I was on, sat on Dad's, Dad's lap. lap. I was sat on Mum's lap. And then they just sort of said, we're going to get divorced. And Dad's I remember crying yeah. and then saying, because I was only seven, I was like, what does that mean? Like, what is divorce? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't, I know it was a sad thing, but I didn't know what it actually meant. And then they told us. Dad would be moving out. Yeah. You know, like, asked us, like, who we wanted to live with, which is a bit of a hard thing to ask a child at the time. 
Which we, we stayed with mum and dad only moved literally down five minutes down the road. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. It was really like... We saw him every weekend. It was quite an amicable split, I'd say. Yeah. From what I've seen of other parents' divorces, theirs was very nice and cordial and... It wasn't you know, beforehand. Though, no. I remember I used to sit on the stairs... And, and hear them arguing. Screaming at each other and I'd just really? be sitting there bawling my eyes out. And they were better after they were divorced. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know... So why did they split? They told us they just didn't love each other anymore. Yeah. Do you think that there was more to it, though? I don't know. I don't think... Do you know more? Go on. <laughs> Reveal. You know more? Reveal. No? All right. <laughs> but I do think... Because my mum is very secretive and I know that there is a lot more... Because I never really saw mum and dad argue. Mm. Apart from like the obvious bickering and things like that. I do think that there was more to what happened with my mum leaving my dad. So your mum left your dad? My mum left my dad. She... How old were you? I was... Six... No, 15. No, 16. Probably just turned 16. Um, and I came home from work and she'd just gone. She'd just taken what stuff she wanted. Wow. She hadn't told any of us. She'd just left. And at this point, my brother was still living at home, but pretty much living with his then girlfriend, or now wife. Um, but yeah, she just left. Wow. There's nothing. I couldn't even contact her. She wouldn't answer her oh phone. My, my dad couldn't contact her. There was just nothing, nothing at all. So I definitely think, although when I then spoke to mum eventually, she said she just couldn't do it anymore. Right. And my dad wasn't the easiest. I mean, as a dad, he was like the best to me. But as a husband... Yeah, I can see why she got frustrated with him. Mm. But I, I definitely think there's more to it than meets the eye. Because it's a lot to know. just leave, isn't it? And not yeah. even tell your own kids yeah. that you're going. There must have been, like and you said, a, a bit more. And as a mum as well. Mm. Like, you'd expect... And this sounds really awful, but... That's more like the dad. In most cases, you expect it from the dad. Yeah. Yeah. But from the mum, and to have, like, a teen... Yeah. So did you stay living with your dad after that? Yeah. Yeah, it was just me and my dad. And then we got the dog. We got Max. And he was just crazy. (laughs) But my dad, I've never seen my dad... I'd never seen my dad cry Mm. until then. Not until that day. And for a long time after that. Was he quite down and everything afterwards then? Yeah. Yeah. He didn't always show it to me. Um... But he was really emotional. And to see a man cry again, mm. when you're a child, you don't see that. You see that... Especially their generation, I think. Yeah. Like, they were always... I mean, it's still a bit now, but it's better that men shouldn't show emotions, yeah. but the women were too emotional. Yeah. So to see your dad cry, yeah. Yeah, that was hard. I that bet. was really hard. Especially as a, as a teenager, you've mm. got all those hormones and craziness going around <laughs> in your own head to then be like, why is my dad crying? Yeah. It must have been yeah. so like, emotional and traumatic to, to deal with at that, that young age. It's really strange. Like when you said earlier about the certain things that you block out when you're going through a trauma or grief or something like that, 
you have these times that are just a complete blackout yeah. because you just can't remember. And when other people tell you, you're thinking, what? Did that happen? I'm, like, I'm I don't really remember don't that. Remember that. Mm. And it's, it's crazy, absolutely crazy. I think that's like your brain protecting you. Though I think sometimes when you go through like a trauma like that, mm. that's just your brain's way of just blocking because you don't want to have all the pain no. all of the memories all of that that's just your brain sort of selectively trying to i definitely think that because i think most of the time you remember all your happy memories mm. yes um and you yeah and you lose a lot of the bad i say i suppose it depends on your but you must outlook. it is still there because yeah you, f- you feel it yeah you do feel it and you may not remember the memory may not be there but the the pain, pain is, is. Yeah. yeah. The emotion behind Definitely. it. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So obviously we've spoken briefly about our experience of losing our dad and how we found out. Um, would you mind just going through your experience, Sam? Yeah, so I finished work on the Sunday and I went to stay with my mum and the man that she left my dad for. Um So my dad was supposed to pick me up from the train station the next day. Um, I'd spoken to him on the phone in the morning. Um, He basically ended the phone call with I love you, which we didn't really say that very often as a family. Um, So you kind of, well, I kind of knew then something was not quite right. Um, Then I got on the train. I was calling the home phone. Um... And there was no answer. I got to the train station and my brother, my auntie and my dad's best friend was there. And instantly I knew something wasn't right. Um, So I asked where my dad was and my auntie told me that he was still at home. Um, Anyway, we, we drove home and the road that we lived on was blocked off by the police and at this point I still didn't know what had happened mm. um, and I can't I can't remember being told what had happened um, I just got very angry and I ran off down the road to my friend's house um, and didn't come back until later that was before actually before I tried to go into the house but obviously they stopped me um, which is a bit weird. I know I must have known at that point what had happened um, because I wanted to see it, which sounds really bizarre. So he he shot himself right in his bedroom, um, and yeah, I, w- I just ran round to my friend's house. I just didn't want to. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to see anything um, because they wouldn't let me. Mm. Understandably, that's, that's weird, right? <clears throat> like you just want to. That sounds really weird. Even when he was in the uh, at the hospital, and we went to visit him there, I wanted to see, like, what I've done. Yeah, I wanted mm. to see it from my own eyes, and it was, and obviously I couldn't. Um, so yeah, that was that was the start. Yeah, <laughs> that was the start of it. Um, do you think you wanted to see it because maybe part of you didn't believe yeah I, yeah happened? I honestly do and I know that's not a memory that you want to have 
like etched in your brain for the rest of your life but I, I, yeah I needed to see it because I didn't believe it yeah I really didn't believe it that's a hard thing to have to believe considering you'd spoken to him that morning yeah yeah so when you so what happened like after so you went to your friends do you remember much sort of after that um my friend came up the road with me we went back and we just stood outside until the the black ambulance is it mm. called a black ambulance so it's yeah it's a private so ambulance private coroner yeah so they came thing, yeah they're called it? private ambulances <laughs> yeah they came to collect him um and then everyone kind of disappeared and obviously the family wanted me to go off with them but I, I didn't want to leave so I stayed at my friend's house she literally just lived around the corner from us um, and then when everyone had gone then my friend Jade and Lou came into the house with me again because I wanted to see like the after yeah. of it all um, and it yeah I just sat in the bedroom where his pool of blood was and just sat there for I don't even know how long again that part is a bit of a blur as well Mm. Um, and then I stayed I ended up staying at my friends until the council sorted me out with my own place because I just didn't want to be around family like they were the last people I wanted to be around I wanted to be with my friends because that was normal for me Yeah. yeah being with my friends and being I guess, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. But you were much the same. You wanted to be around friends and things. Yeah, and you, definitely. You know, going out with your friend the next day and going shopping and whatever. And then even at even at the funeral, mum let us have some friends. I had a couple of my friends. Yeah. You had quite a few of your friends. Of mine, yeah. yeah. And we just sat in the yellow room. As we used to call it in the our old house. Room. Yeah. <laughs> it was yellow. <laughs> yellow sofas, yellow walls. Oh, and yellow wallpaper. Had a lot of yellow. Had a French doors that opened out onto the patio and you guys sat in there like after the funeral, didn't you? Yeah, we sat in there smoking weed. Yeah. <laughs> As you do. Yeah. But I think everybody copes with things in very different ways. I think I was, because yeah. I was a lot younger... Because you two, I suppose, are quite similar ages. Yeah. Yeah, I was 15. Did you say you were 17? 17, yeah. Yeah, so I think, especially when you're that age, like you said earlier, with all the hormones and everything, Mm. it's a very different way of coping with things. And it sounds like you two very similarly kind of coped in a way of just supporting yourself with friends Mm -hmm. and keeping yourselves busy doing other things basically which I think it's a way of like not thinking about it as well because like if you're with your family they're kind of like are you okay like how are you feeling but when you're with your friends you're just having a laugh and being like a normal teenager and just doing normal life things and not having to think about it yeah I think that's why I wanted to start high school when I did like the day after because I just needed to be out of that house and and not hear mum cry and just wanted to just forget about it for a bit, you know, just go and start high school as normal and be a normal kid. How was your mum then afterwards? She was quite teary in the first couple of days and then it was all... I mean, I can't even really remember. She had to then plan everything, do the funeral and everything like that, which then she became quite like... not. I don't want to say... I'm not going to say cold, but like 
very, we need to get this done, I need to get this done, I need to do this. She needed to get things sorted. She was the sole parent then. She needed to sort out the funeral, sort out us and all of that. House and everything. Yeah, yeah, his house and, you know... All the legalities yeah. and everything. Yeah. See, that was my auntie who, who took that role. She took everything on. Her and my nanny. <clears throat> well, and my other auntie as well. Yeah. But they did exactly the same. It's like they... You don't have time to grieve. You just have to get everything sorted for everyone else. Yeah. And I think with our mum as well, I think she was just really concerned about... Us, us, yeah, more than anything, because and how it would affect us, and yeah, you know, and then sort of growing up without a dad and her being the only parent the is parent. hard, yeah. yeah. Whereas, because you then, I suppose, got your own place and stuff, I guess your mum, but was she like, did your mum go to the funeral and everything? No. She didn't, she didn't. Oh, wow, wow. I didn't speak to my mum, um, again for quite a while afterwards because my mum even still to this day has carried that guilt with her Mm. like she'll never she doesn't even say his name she'll never say his name like the reason he did it was because he was depressed yeah Yeah. did he like leave like if you don't mind me asking did he leave like a note or anything he did yeah he he left me and my brother a a suicide note um and it basically said um, that he just couldn't he just couldn't go on anymore without my mum. Um, yeah, that's so sad. And at the end, it said our dog was called Max. It said, um, "Look after Max." So who, I know it's such a random question. <laughs> who took the dog? So I wanted to keep him. Yeah, I wanted to stay in that house, but I couldn't. It was a three bedroom council house. We weren't allowed to stay there. No, or I wasn't allowed to stay there. By that point, my brother had already moved out. Um, living with his girlfriend and yeah but actually the the council I remember going to an appointment with my nanny and they were really good Mm. so ideally we want to put you somewhere close to home so that I mean I didn't have a clue about rent council tax bills like they I need to teach this stuff in school they I really do it, yeah like, no i totally agree with that yeah literally totally agree with that um yeah i had no clue but the, it was all really quick um clearing out the house and my dad had like five sheds in the back garden wow he was a mechanic and yeah even doing that i couldn't actually i was hung over that day and i just laid in his bed i just couldn't couldn't do it so obviously we're here as sisters talking about how we lost our dad and how our different experiences and how we coped with it. And you said you had a brother, an older brother. Yeah. Do you know anything about how he sort of coped with it or dealt with it? Or Honestly, uh, and I've not really ever had the conversation with him either. I, we, we didn't, I didn't really see him because I was with my friends all the time. Um, he was living with his wife. At the funeral, I remember him grabbing my hand, though. That will always stay with me. Mm. And me and my brother aren't the closest. Um, but I'll always remember him grabbing my hand as if to say, like... It's okay. Yeah, we're, um, we're in this together, yeah. you know? Um, 
But apart from that and how he coped with it, I guess for him it was slightly easier because he had his girlfriend Mm. and she had two kids and he had that kind of separate life away yeah. from it. I was going to say, that other life yeah. kind of thing. Like family. And Whereas yeah. I was just kind you of on, on my own. own. And I did spend a lot of time with them. Um, I did spend a lot of time with them. But we never really talked about it. No. Do you talk all. about it much at all now? Or No. And again, even still to this day, we're, we're just not that close. Yeah. Um, I mean, we didn't... We didn't talk about it when we were younger. No, I think it's more like in our twenties we started to, and then mm. more and more we do talk when you about have, it. Like a better understanding of it, isn't yeah, it? of how you yeah. were feeling and and what you went through, and it's easier to look back when you've kind of dealt with it yourself, in, yeah, in whatever way you've dealt with it. Whereas when you're in that moment. It's very hard. It's hard to, to talk about yeah. it. Because you're still grieving and things like that. Well, yeah. I mean, grieving doesn't end, really, but you just no. find better ways to cope with it mm-hmm. and things like that. So I think as you go on, it is easier to talk about it because you've healed that little bit. And, you know, especially with people like all three of us, we all have been through very similar things. Yeah. And talking about it with someone who kind of understands you is a lot better than talking to someone who's never like lost a parent yeah. at a young age they don't get it they're like you know obviously they know it's sad and it's difficult but I guess they don't know how to connect with you in that way no. and if they've never had anyone whether it's a parent or just someone really close to them yeah if they've never had to deal with that level of grief yeah because it's almost like like your nan and granddad it is a level of grief but when they get to a certain age it's kind of expected expected. yeah Mm -hmm. but when it's not expected and it wasn't for us yeah and for a lot of other people you you don't unless you've been through it you you don't really truly understand no we had a double whammy didn't we because lost dad and a week later our granddad died yeah dad's dad and we were asked if we wanted to go to the funeral and Mum and mum asked. Mum mum said no. Mum said we can go if you want, but it'll be in Wales, you know. And we all sort of agreed that it would just be too much, much, too soon, sort of thing. Because he Um, couldn't come to his own son's funeral because because he was poorly. poorly. Oh wow! Mm. So yeah, and then you know a week later. Yeah, and the whole family understood. Mm. Like there was yeah. no like, well, they should be there anyway. I think everybody understood. We'd just lost our dad. That wasn't going to happen. Do you regret that you didn't go? Or no, uh, no yeah. not at all. No, because I think it, especially for both of our ages, you were in your teenage years. I was on the cusp of it. I think it would have been way too much to deal yeah. with. Yeah, definitely. Especially traveling that far. I know Wales isn't that far, but traveling that far to then just go to another funeral is a lot it's a lot to to cope with as yeah. a child and then yeah. you've got like you know we weren't obviously like because they live in wales so we're not really that close anyway but like i felt like there'd be like people questioning you yeah. know like our dad mm. and stuff and like yeah. that and i just thought do you know what they're not can't be doing with that yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm glad mum sort of asked us and and sort of gave her opinion on it you know she kind of said I don't think it's wise but I will go if you want to yeah. go it's good that she did though yeah oh definitely if it was my mum I think she would have just said no yeah <laughs> like, for you but yeah they're not they're not doing mm. it mm. 
yeah, mum always sort of asked us things and, and, you know, wanted to make sure she was making the right decisions and stuff. Yeah. And what but that's have good. That's but good. I think the thing about, like, losing a parent at a young age, and I think this goes back to what you were saying about you had no idea about how to get a house and things like that, I think it does make you grow up that bit quicker yeah, than you should. Definitely. Because, definitely. you know, you then had to go from living with a parent <clears throat> to living on your own. So how did that kind of, like, to begin with like the start and how was it i mean i won't lie it was well it was scary but it was kind of exciting like i'm 17 i've got my own place yeah and <laughs> all my friends were around and up till god knows what time and partying most nights mm. and my neighbors absolutely hated me <laughs> um I mean, I only lived there for just under a year. I didn't work for six months, so I was hairdressing at the time. I'd just qualified, um, so I left hairdressing, didn't want to go back to it. Um, and then, yeah, six months later, I got a, a Christmas temp job at New Look. Did Oh, uh, yeah. And then yeah. started there. But I'd say, yeah, it was just under a year that I was in the flat for. I had a friend move in with me, um, and they always say, don't you? You don't know someone until, until you, you live, live with them. them. Oh, tell me about Without it. <laughs> you really don't. And like living with your parents is just a completely different level to living with a friend. Yeah. At the age of 17 and then 18, I turned 18 when I was in the flat. Um, it was party central. That but was the crazy time. That was your way of sort of coping and getting through it, I guess. It's yeah, just definitely. keeping yourself busy, having friends over, you know, so you didn't have to yeah. think about it so much. Yeah, I mean, you did a lot of that as well, like... I partied my yeah. ass off. Yeah. <laughs> I took all the drugs <laughs> and just went crazy. But I don't think that's just... I think part of it was grieving and a part of it was blocking it out. But I think also yeah. most of it was just being a normal teenager. Yeah, definitely. And just... Maybe in a bit more of an extreme level. Maybe because... a little bit more extreme than some. Yeah. yeah, definitely. But, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to spend time with my friends and just have a good time and just not think about it. Because most teenagers experiment with drinking drugs and all of that. But I suppose they're doing it to have a good time. Yeah. Whereas you were doing it to block things to out, block out to yeah. stop that sort of pain and grief and everything like that so yeah that more extreme level so Definitely. what were you doing while uh well I was, was a lot younger so do you know what I do remember so she'd go out and I think I'd just got my first mobile phone as well and she used to walk miles home your friend lived out like further out from where we were and she would ring me in the middle of the night and just make me talk to her as she walked home <laughs> she'd be high or drunk down or... a country road i mean i think about it now and i think oh my god don't even, like, you don't even like leaving your house now let alone walking down pitch like, black country roads in the I middle can't of the imagine night if my son was doing that oh, I'd, god. Be, I'd go absolutely mad <laughs> yeah <laughs> But I mean, you know, this was 20-something years ago. You yeah. do that kind of stuff, really. I and mean, not feel afraid, yeah. No. And I guess I just used to, like... Because I was a lot younger, I guess I just used to hang out with my friends and just do whatever. Like, you know, I was still going through high school and things. And then, obviously, then I started college and things like that. And I just used to just do whatever. Just live your life. Yeah. And I think it's only in the last... 
probably 10 maybe five years we've both kind of really dealt with it more yeah and things like that because like I I've had counseling in the past and things Mm -hmm. like that and you know to help me get through it I think talking about it is a big thing you know especially when like I said earlier when you find someone that kind of knows it on that level you tend to you're more drawn to them and you, you do find that you talk about it more yeah so I think the aftermath of like coping with it when you're so young is you don't really cope with it until you're older. Did you guys you get process. offered counselling when you? We you never were. It? I don't think we did. No, not that I can remember. I got offered counselling, um, and I and I went, mm. but I was like mega attitude. I don't want to talk to you. You you don't know me. You you're don't, a you don't know anything. Mm. You're not going to help me. I mean, mum took completely. me to counselling yeah. when we moved to Norwich. Yeah. So when I was about 18, 19, because I was just a very angry, yes, yeah. angry person. Um, taking it out on everyone. I was horrible to mum all the yeah. time. Like, But I think a part of me, not that I meant to, but a part of me blamed her yeah. for it. Although, you know, it wasn't her fault at all. No. Had nothing to do with her, really. But, and I think I even said something like, I wish you'd died instead of Dad. Oh, like, oh no, You I used to be, horrible. you were a horrible, nasty, horrible 18-year-old. Yeah. You were horrible to be around. You were very angry. How does that make you feel, though, when you look back and realise now? Oh, it How makes me feel, like, really bad and ashamed of the way I behave. But I just didn't know... I just couldn't cope with it. Yeah. I just didn't know... There wasn't the, any other The way. only emotion I had was anger. I was yeah. just so angry at the situation, you know, because I loved my dad, doted on my dad. I was a proper daddy's girl. And so I found it really, really difficult. And then, you know, I think the move to Norwich kind of was a bit of a tipping point for me because I didn't want to leave because all your friends all my friends were still in North Walsham North Walsham and that's where dad's house was and that was that connection there and everything and then she like made us move and I hated it but Actually, it was it was good because all the clubs are in Norwich, so... <laughs> I even remember... I, like, I don't have to get on the train in the middle of the night. The day we moved to Norwich, I remember, was the worst fight I've ever seen you and Mum have. So I'd packed all my stuff like a good little girl. And I hadn't packed any of my stuff, so I was like, Mum, I'm not moving. Mum told Bryony to get up. She wouldn't get up. She came into her room and said, you better be packing, walked in, and everything's just normal in her room. There's nothing in a box, nothing's changed. Mum absolutely lost it. You lost it back, and it was just this huge round. I think you stormed out in the end. I threw an ironing board at her. Yeah, threw an ironing board at her. (laughs) Yeah. Stormed out. Left, yeah. Mum said, right, well, we'll pack your room for you, and it's all going in bin bags. If it gets broken, I don't care. And then I think... About half an hour went by. You came back and did actually like start packing like the precious things and everything else had to just be thrown in bin bags. <laughs> and the guys with the moving truck were just all doing stuff like downstairs, and you're just like, oh god, this is going <laughs> terrible. And I'm just there going, okay, I'm picky in the middle because <laughs> oh, no. Mum's like, your sister's so unreasonable. Brani's like, mum's so unreasonable. <laughs> and I'm just like, just everybody's unreasonable sides. right now. I just want to move. <laughs> well. Oh, God. 
So we've just been talking about how losing our parent affected us as kids, teenagers. Let's now discuss how it affects you in your adult life, the things that you sort of struggle with, the emotions that you deal with and things like that. So I personally think it's now like you don't ever get over it as such. I think yeah. it, you, have a, you always have a hole in your heart. And I don't think that ever truly heals. I think it becomes an everyday part of you and you can go on every day and, you know, you think of that person most days. But I think the big days become hard. So big events, like when you got married. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, that made me really sad because obviously um, my dad couldn't walk me down the aisle and give me away. Um, so that was really difficult. Um, I had my uncle do it, so dad's brother, which was really nice. But still, you know, there was like a sadness about the day because Listen. of that. Yeah. Were you emotional? Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially yeah. sort of like a few days leading up to it, I got really teary and cried and and sat there with Uncle Roy crying and being like, I wish dad was here. And he did a nice bit in his speech, didn't he? And said, like, it shouldn't be him giving that speech yeah and I think it was just enough but me and you did get a little bit emotional then during your wedding didn't we yeah it's hard my brother got married a few I think a few years after dad passed away and I was an emotional wreck Mm. and I wasn't even my wedding (laughs) do you know what I mean yeah (laughs) it is hard anything like weddings, just any part mm. of life, and especially when they've been gone now for the time that they have been gone. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it. Yeah, because when your son was born, yeah, that was quite a difficult day because he would have been a great granddad. Like oh my God, he'd have been he fantastic. Been but you know that's not going to happen. And we we try and talk about him in front of your son and yeah. stuff, so he knows who he was and things like that. But it's hard because they never got to know that person. I think, yeah, the big days become hard. Like, even when I bought my house, that was a big thing. Like, that's a big milestone. And you think, oh, it'd be nice to show them around and yeah. show them what you've achieved. And, yeah, any achievements as well, you think, oh, they're like not here. Like, getting to... my degree. Like, I know Dad yeah. would have been so happy because I knew he always wanted me to go to university. And I didn't do it when I should have done it when I was younger because... I think, you know, going through his death and stuff, I just wasn't ready to do anything like that. So, and it took me a long time to figure out what I wanted to do anyway. But yeah, getting it's that degree, the mental capacity to deal with it, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, definitely. But I'd love to like show him my degree and be yeah. like, "Look, Daddy, look what I did." So yeah, it's a bit, it's bittersweet. Every yeah. big moment is bittersweet because. Mm. You're happy in the moment and you're happy, you know, like my wedding and, and the birth of my son. Obviously, one of the happiest moments of my life. But it's bittersweet because there's something missing. Yeah. And that's always going to be there. Like you said, there's a hole in your heart. There's always going to be that part of you missing. Um, and I think especially losing a parent, you know, younger and in your teenage years, when you need them to sort of guide you and to mm-hmm. show you how to do life. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big thing as well, isn't it? Like, thing I don't know, just things like like we've doing the house and stuff. It's like, oh my god, Dad would be there with oh. his hammer and his tools. And I don't know, <laughs> like I don't know how to put things on walls and stuff. I know how to hammer and nail him, but when you need raw plugs and screws and I don't know how to do those kind of things. And how do you test where there's a pipe? 
I don't know. So, yeah, things like that you, you miss out on, I suppose, when you don't have one of your parents around. And, like, each parent gives you different things in life. And yeah. I think you miss some of that. I get irritated if something goes wrong with my car. Because <clears throat> your dad would have known. My dad would have fixed that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's yeah, really so you're missing that knowledge. And, yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. when I first started driving. My first car was a, a what was it, a Fiat Punto? Right. And uh, that went wrong pretty quick after getting it. And I was <laughs> devastated. I was like, Dad, I just need you here. Yeah. <laughs> it is moments like that, though, that you think, <clears throat> oh... Like, if they, someone could have shown me this, he could have shown me yeah. how to do this. Yeah, so, definitely. yeah, it does become harder. And I think as well, like, random days, like, you just think of them and it, it makes you sad and, and you can't always talk to everybody about it because nothing's, like, set you off as such. You just... But it could like, be anything. It could be a song. It mm, could be the way someone looks or something someone says. Even or, a smell. Yeah. Like... It can waft if past I you smell and be oil like cigarettes. Yeah, that's dad. Really yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really strange how how things can trigger your memories and and get you thinking about them. I mean, I think about it most days, but yeah. Yeah. like sometimes it's sadder and sometimes it's nicer. Like you think, like somebody will say something about their child and you think, oh yeah, I used to do that with dad, and and you yeah. think of happy thoughts, and then other times you're like, oh, I'm really glad, like I'm really sad that they're not here. You know, and I think it's, it's hard. hard as well listening to other people that don't have a good relationship with their dad. Oh, oh I find that yeah. so difficult. Like, and if they're kind of slagging them off, or yeah, and you just think you don't realise how lucky you are mm-hmm. to still have them. Like, if there's any chance of you rebuilding that relationship, I mean, I know it's not for some people they don't have a relationship, and there's for different reasons and the rest of it, but. Yeah, but sometimes when me. it's more about trivial things yeah. or like materialistic things, mm-hmm. like if there's a reason that person doesn't talk to that parent because of something that's really bad that's happened, fine. But when it's like, oh, something really trivial, like, oh, he didn't get me this for my birthday when I specifically, and you think, shut up, even, you have no yeah. idea. Even yeah. parents that, so like you just said, like if, if it's over a big thing, I used to get so angry and be like, well, why why is there a shitty parent around? Why is my, yeah, my dad yeah. was a good dad? Why is yeah. he died? And there's this other shitty parent who isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing yeah. for their child. Why are they walking around? And Do you know what I mean? I, I used to get so angry about that, but obviously that's just life. Yeah. yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. Bad things happen to good people, unfortunately. Yeah, I still get annoyed about it now, though. I still think, like, you know, you, you like you said, you just don't know what you've got. Like, you don't know how lucky you are that both your parents are still here. You haven't yeah. had to feel that loss because if you don't make up with them and they go, you'll have that with you for the rest of your life, and you could regret that for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, have you had counselling more recently then? So yeah, in the last couple of years, I suppose before, about a year before the pandemic, I guess, because I dip in and out of counselling, which I've spoken about on previous podcasts, um, that I dip in and out of it and when I feel I need it, and it's all to do with my anxiety and depression, which isn't necessarily linked with dad, but it is in a way. Yeah, because sometimes it can make you really depressed and really down and you can't get yourself out of it and you need that help. So, yeah, yeah. What about you two? 
I think, well, I had it, same as you, I dip in and out of it. It was more so for me that I I didn't want to go down the route of medication mm-hmm. um, if I didn't have to. So I knew I was at a point of, I was at the bottom of the spiral. Yeah. You know, and you just have to um, work away, work out a way to get yourself back up again and yeah i went to the council and i had a few a few sessions um how did you for like our listeners how did you go about getting a counselor like did you go through the nhs or did you go i tried i tried to go through the nhs but the wait was too long and i was at a point of no return is how it felt so i paid privately i found someone privately um and I, I couldn't believe... I came out of the sessions every time smiling. Yeah. Which is crazy because wow. you're talking about the things that have really affected you. And you talk about things that you don't think are necessarily part of the problem, but they are. And it's... Yeah, I'd come out and feel amazed because... I'd smile because I'm thinking, how did she do that? How did and she I make me realise? Yeah. talking about it is like... A, it lifts that weight off you yeah. because you've got it all inside of you and to just sort of like yeah. get it out is a relief. And yeah. I was about to start again as we went into the first lockdown. Um, and obviously at that point, they said that they were going to start doing video calls. Mm. And I thought, I just can't, I can't do that. I think that would have been, yeah, I, I don't think I'd have liked doing, because it's not the same when you're sitting in that person's no. office and you're yeah. talking to this complete stranger and just offloading everything. Yeah. And then, yeah, you do walk out of there and you go, oh, because you've kind of, it is like passing that load to someone else and going, right, that's your problem now. Yeah. And you go, oh, well, it's not my problem anymore. And you sort of, very happy down the road and and it's not even that they say like it wasn't therapy no it wasn't okay this is how you need to cope with it it was more of just talking about it and going down the routes that you didn't think were part of it because I just thought I was just depressed because I was grieving again Mm. that's how it felt like so did you speak to an actual grief specialist counsellor or what sort of because I know there's many different, there's different types, different fields that you can sort of go down. I she was recommended to me. So our old practice manager recommended her, right? Um, and she was brilliant. And I, I, I'd go back to her again if I needed to. <clears throat> and that's the thing I think that's important, like to let other people know, is that you can dip in and out of counselling when you feel yeah. you need it. You don't have to go like religiously like once a month for the rest of your life no. you can sort of go till you feel a bit better live your life for a bit if things start to get on top of you again you you think oh maybe I should go back and then you know it's a cycle sometimes you just have to yeah. keep going forward with it and it's not like it's solving the problem it's just that you're helping to deal with the problem because even the cliche of they say well how did that make you feel and when you dive more into it and you go oh yeah actually it made me feel this way or you know I felt like this when this person did this and and they really help you come to your own realization sometimes of how a situation has affected you or something like a a death has affected you long term yeah definitely so what about you Bryony with like because you did counseling back then but 
I did. Mum took me, like I said before, mum took me to the counsellor when I was about 18, 19, when I was just being an absolute arsehole. <laughs> um, but I just, uh, for me, and it's not the same for everyone at all, but for me, counselling just, it doesn't help me at all because I'm not comfortable with... I mean, especially back then, I wasn't comfortable with talking about it to even people I know. So I would just sit there in complete silence the whole entire session and just literally not say anything because I just didn't want to talk about it. Um, And I I tried counselling again a few years ago, which is something we talk about in another episode. Um, But again, I I just don't get on with it at all. I find... I've had to learn how to speak to, like, you, Karis, mm. or, like, mum, or, like, someone, or my friends about it instead of... I just don't feel comfortable speaking to a complete stranger. I'm quite a private person. So, for me, you know, counselling wasn't anything that really sort of helped me. But I knew that I had to sort of do something. Yeah. And it's just about finding that right thing, you know. I, I did try medication as well. That didn't help. Um... So I think, for me, it's just been a time thing yeah. more than anything. It's just, you know, when I was younger and a teenager, I didn't have the mental capacity to deal with it. Yeah. But as I've got older and obviously becoming a parent myself has made me sort of just realise and let go of those emotions a bit more. Like, I was so angry for such a long time. I had to eventually, it got to a point where it just got so bad, I had to just let it go. And, that, yeah. and I think it, yeah again it's a cliche but time is a great healer it makes yeah. it doesn't heal you completely but you just learn to cope with it in everyday life and everything like that I just think it's yeah. not a constant emotional no. roller coaster. it's more of a long wave yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's it exactly is. right yeah that's exactly right so it's yeah you get longer periods between sadness but you know, you you don't also get them as bad either. The dips aren't as bad, and sometimes when they are, like we said, you go counselling. You do what you need to do to make yourself. I find happy it really again. interesting though that you found it difficult, yeah, to talk to a counsellor. Just not very good at talking is, about my emotions. Is it like you say? Is it the type of counsellor? So is it more that you would probably benefit from like more of a therapy rather than a talking about the problem do you know what I mean yeah maybe I mean it might I should have probably tried like because I know you can go through loads of different counsellors till you find the one that you want but I just went like a couple of times and was like no it's not for yeah. me and didn't bother to like go any further with it so yeah maybe later down the line I might try it again if I feel that I need it but I'm in a good place at the moment with everything so um, do you know what the way I look at it is with a counsellor is that it's almost like a, a diary yeah yeah. do you know what I mean so like you, you, you're letting out the way you felt the way you thought your emotions how it affected you like, like, like rather than sitting journal, there saying journal, isn't yeah it? But I actually do write journals I haven't for a while I've like about mm. a year or so but I used to I've got diaries and diaries at home and you found that helped you as well yeah I'm always better with writing down my feelings than I've ever been about talking so I remember when we were younger when well when we were teenagers when we lost dad and when we moved and and that I used to write letters and letters to mum because I just couldn't sit there and like talk about 
my feelings, so I would just write that's them really down. That's really good, though. But that's another way of, like, coping, isn't it? Loads of people journal these days to help themselves through, yeah. you know, trauma or anxiety, depression, all of that is writing it down like loads of people do those bullet journals and Mm -hmm. make it all pretty but they're still writing down how they feel and what they want to achieve and I think it's a really great way if you are like Bryony and you don't like talking you know about it to a counsellor or your friends or your family write it down and and people write letters and stuff and then burn them and that's another therapeutic thing like it's gone and like what was it I saw on TikTok? Girls were writing things on plates and then smashing the plate. So that oh, was I love like, that. yeah. It's so that was like a, well. <laughs> like it's done once the plate is smashed. Those emotions and feelings and thoughts are gone, which I think is you know is really yeah. great. And I think there's so many things out there now to help you, and you have to find the one that that matches you and your personality. And maybe me and yeah. you are the same, Sam, but Bryony's completely different and yeah. likes to write it down rather than talk about it. I think writing it down is definitely something even I'd consider now writing notes about what we're talking about today. I said to you guys this morning, didn't I? Like yeah. I felt a bit emotional afterwards and I've never written anything down before. I think it's really therapeutic. It is yeah. for me yeah. anyway. It's nice to sort of write it down. And then you can come back to it and you can read it. And you can be like, oh, I felt like that that day. But today, I yeah. don't feel like that. Yeah. So it's quite a nice way of putting your emotions into like, into pages, into little boxes. Yeah. And, and then when you come back to it, when you're feeling better another day. Or you can write when you feel good one day. And then if you're having a bad day, you can look at your good day and be like, oh, okay, it's not going to last forever. I'm yeah. not going to always feel like this. And even like, even if you've got the ups and down days and stuff like that, and you read it in a year's time and you think, wow... I've come a long way, you know, yeah. since then, because actually I'm having more good days than bad days, and you can reflect and, and think, yeah, I'm proud of myself for getting through that and writing it down and, and getting through it. It's much easier to feel positive when your mind is in a more controlled space. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If, like, when you're when you're at the bottom of that spiral and you're at that point, if you... You can't, you can't see a way out, can you, at all? No. no. And it feels never-ending. And you just think, I just can't deal with this. And I can't live my life feeling like this yeah. forever. But it's, like, it's like the same when you're, like, you're ill, you've got like, a cold, and you think yeah. you're going to feel like that forever. Yeah. <laughs> that is, like, I can't yeah. live like this. I just need my mum. <laughs> Give me some soup. Yeah, exactly. But that, that is a really good analogy, though. Because when you've got that cold, you think, I'm never going to be able to breathe through my nose again. How am I yeah. going to live the rest of my life like yeah, this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so true. I think, I think that's the thing with like depression and, and anxiety and things like that, is that it needs to be looked at that way, like an illness, like a physical illness. It is. Because it's the same thing. It's just in your mind. Yeah. So it needs to be treated that way and you know you need to try and always have in the back of your mind I'm not going to feel like this forever yeah and there's much more help out there I mean I know it's it's not the easiest route to to get help because but it's more talked about now not too much and a lot of people like at work or just anyone you meet everyone has their own story oh yeah yeah definitely without a doubt and it's like we never used to talk about things like that and I think that was that was some of the 
like why we've had problems grieving and everything throughout our lives not just because of the age range that we were when this all happened to us but also because there was no grief counseling out there you know people didn't think they thought you know we it was never spoken to us about you know having grief counseling or anything but me and you Sam know of a girl that we work with who lost her mum and Mm. she's gone to counselling and and work of helpers set that up and you think now she's had that all set up through work and to help her get back into her normal life after a trauma yeah we didn't have any of that like and yes okay she's older she's not a teenager but nowadays i think when a kid loses a parent the schools are more better at putting in there should be some kind of full-on support system not just okay go and try counseling because it isn't for everyone no you know and i think i think the earlier you get into it though i think if we had had grief counseling from the off i think that would have been very helpful i think so i think now you know for like my son if if anything you know not losing a parent or any trauma or whatever i would like him to be straight into counseling yeah yeah, and that, that's what I think has changed is that we've all been through things like this the whole generation and then you know now we go well actually we've suffered after effects of that so we need to we do something for our next generation our yeah. children and things like that even when when my mum left my dad like we were his support system but I didn't know anything about depression or do you know anything like that and if I'd have known or understood it in any way then you know things could have been very different but unfortunately they weren't and it's yeah. just something that we can do do better to help people this, now this yeah well i think we've pretty much covered all the topics that we wanted to today um it's been really good to have you here with us sam thank, thank you, you so much i've enjoyed it thank you for being so open and honest yeah thank you for telling us your story and, and delving right into it it's been really good to bounce it off someone else and you've been our first guest on the podcast (laughs) it's been really nice to have someone else to talk to it's been like our own little therapy session it has yeah definitely maybe we should do it every week (laughs) we'll just schedule that in So that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. If you have been affected by anything you've heard today, please head over to our bio and Instagram where there's a list of services and numbers that you can contact. Bye! Bye.